0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another fun-filled, fun-packed episode of Conversations About Dot Dot Dot. My name is Will, and I get the honor and privilege to talk again with the lovely, talented, -talented, multi-talented Terry Moore uh, as he is doing a new Kickstarter uh, and just doing some awesome stuff. So kind of tell me a little bit about it. Tell us the title. Tell us how you kind of were like, this is my idea I want to do for Kickstarter.
1: We... We knew that we wanted to try Kickstarter because it seems like everybody around us was doing it. You know, Billy Tucci and Brian Polito and uh, Jimmy Palmiati and and Jeff Smith. and So Robin and I were the ones who were not really, uh, you know, jumping in yet. So they were all giving us this school peer pressure. Come on, try it. You'll like it. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I was hesitant because I'm always doing a a book on the diamond schedule. Mm -hmm. So I'm always like, I don't have time, but we, I had keep making these sketches for myself, for the show, uh, the shows, the conventions and for our, uh, online sales. So I Mm -hmm. had these sketches and Robin said, well then, okay, if you don't want to take time to do a a full new story, which would take me most of a year, Mm-hmm. then let's put together an art book and, and do it right. Make a big one, of, uh, let's make it beautiful and make it, uh, you know, kind of a, not just one that's a lot of miscellany, but focus on just your more romantic sketches, uh, the sexy ones. So mm-hmm. that, sounded like, that sounded like a good idea to me, and it sounded like it was something that I could handle. <laughs> and uh, so that's what we did. So we launched this kickstarter to make this book called terry moore after dark that was ronald's mm-hmm. idea after dark dot 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 implying that this is what the characters are up to when the readers go home
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah, in between the panel stuff so to speak
1: yeah at, at night in between the panels when they're not you know do it pursuing the main story during the daytime uh yeah so that's what it's about and and it's 120 pages of my black and white drawings and sketches and covers and but it's not just drawings. It's also the the poetry that goes with some of these drawings because, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm a, a musician and I have a lot of song lyrics that I call poetry mm-hmm. when they go into the book. So um, I have that. And a lot of times I'll draw a picture with just for these, these lyrics in mind. And I also have commentary, like if I... Go if I can show you the rough sketch, the pencil uh, that I would use to light box, and then the ink drawing. So I'll show all three versions and show you how mm-hmm. I go from one to the next. Okay, which is kind of a quick, uh, quick version of what my YouTube videos are, out, are about each week when I do process mm-hmm. videos. And that's it. And so we launched on the first on Monday, and uh, we were trying to get. $29,000, which was just to get to pay for the printing bill. Right. And, and we got it real fast. And now we're shooting for stretch goals.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw, I think did you just unlock, or are you on the verge of unlocking the Frank show art?
1: The last time I looked, which was before lunch, we had not unlocked it yet. We were still okay, so we're
0: on the way, just to a few it. grand
1: away from that. Okay. Oh, fingers crossed because that thing is gorgeous.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know. The last time we talked, you you had some interesting Frank Cho stories. Uh, okay. <laughs> have you got any updated Frank Cho stories since then?
1: If you hang out with Frank, you're going to have stories. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's just uh, super cool, super funny. The man has no filter. He just says what comes right on his, out of his mind, and mm-hmm. it's the funniest thing in the world to sit next to him on a panel at a comic convention. And watch him talk and watch people be, you know, shocked in the audience or whatever uh, is very fun. He, he, he doesn't have a mean bone in his body. It's, it's all very sweet and fun to me. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I think he's great.
0: Well, and it's interesting, too, because you look at, back at his work and you're thinking to yourself, like, you know, you kind of can get to see a little bit about who he is and the work he's written. And so, like, Liberty Meadows and things like that, for example. And then, you know, other stuff he's done art-wise. And then, you know, to to hear somebody say that about him, it's like, that doesn't totally surprise me because it's like you see it in some of the stuff he's written as well.
1: You know, to to draw stuff like that, you have to have a big heart. Inside him, there's a big heart who absolutely loves this side of life and loves people. Um, And that's the Frank that I know, you know, so. um, He's in his... Besides being just a brilliant artist, I mean, his technical ability is just off the charts. And mm-hmm. he's not just drawing these, uh, uh, you know, 11 by 17 things. I mean, you've seen pictures of his painting studio in his home. He's doing these massive paintings that he's having to use measurement grids for and all that. Uh, my God, I mean, those are the size of what you find in a museum. I can't even fathom that. I mean, he's mm-hmm. painting the kind of stuff you need a ladder for.
0: <laughs> right.
1: And I, I can't even draw something. It's hard for me to draw 11 by 17, much less, you know, something the size of a wall. Pretty cool. Well,
0: see, what you'll have to do is you'll have to figure out a way to get Frank Cho to, to be like, okay, so, Frank, if we get a certain goal in the Kickstarter, can you do a mural for somebody? <laughs> <laughs> like, do do, well, do one, but, like, you know, do a mural, and it'd be like just you know.
1: Do it if they would uh, – uh support him for the next 10 years like a real <laughs> a patron and a impressionist painter
0: yeah that's how
1: it used to work right i mean you wanted mm-hmm. a van gogh you 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 paid for his living for a year
0: yeah i i i find it interesting i'm gonna ask you this question just because i just experienced this like 10 minutes ago so at plus the black history month i've been drawing different black comic book characters and I post them up on my social media and I had like somebody tagged me on like one picture I just posted. And so then somebody was just like, you know, Oh, Hey, I'll promote you pay me this much and I'll promote you. And I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were trying to commission me for work. Like I like I I'm not in a situation where I could pay you to promote my stuff. Like I'm promoting my stuff. That's why I'm posting it. Like <laughs> yeah.
1: those, those, uh, they're like a swarm of gnats. You post something mm-hmm. um, and that stuff just uh, comes right at you like, hey, post it on such and such.net, post it on this, post it on that. Those are bots, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know post anything creative, some bot comes at you and says, oh, hey, repost it over here or we can promote it for you. Just uh, click here to promote. So because we see that as bots, I also see that same I have the same point of view when I get it from Instagram or Twitter or Facebook and they'll say, Hey, boost your post. And I'm thinking, You're no different than the bot.
0: Right. You know? But you work for the company. Like
1: <laughs> I'm not gonna boost the post.
0: Right. <laughs> I'm not no. giving you
1: money so that I can post on your platform. No.
0: Right. So one thing about the project I find is really interesting. You've got three different covers based on which one you buy. I see that yeah. there's a soft cover and then there's a hard cover mm-hmm. and then there's the da- there's a the hard cover, but it's signed. Yeah. Uh, there's three sure. different covers for each one. Is there a reason behind the three different covers or is it just a way of saying, Hey, you get this exclusive version. I know the hard cover. I don't believe it's going to be available anywhere else. It's just going to be available in the Kickstarter.
1: Yeah, and the, uh, we've typically done, when we do our own stuff through our own site, uh, what we'll do is a soft cover, hard cover, and then an exclusive hard cover that has a limited print run. Mm-hmm. And the, in this case, the soft cover and the hard cover may be, um, the soft cover will, should have a life, a retail life uh, in the future. Mm-hmm. Plan is to hopefully that it would be in a, in a retail situation. And and I don't know, you'd have to ask Robin about the hardcover. But I know that the exclusives, our special edition hardcover, is only through this Kickstarter. So,
0: Pardon?
1: you know, five years from now, if you see one, it was bought at this Kickstarter and nowhere else.
0: Gotcha. And then I also see some stuff like, for example, the uh, Strangers in Paradise Pocket Book, issue one. And you mentioned on your Instagram a while back that a lot of the Strangers in Paradise bigger books are going out of print. Is that correct? Did I read that right? Yeah, you
1: did. Uh, We are letting the omnibus and the pocket editions go out of print because we are uh, going to move. We've signed with Diamond Book Distributors to be exclusive Mm -hmm. with them. And we're going to reformat that big story, which Strangers in Paradise ran for thirteen years, so mm-hmm. uh, on a regular basis. So it's twenty one hundred page story. We were in the comic book uh, stores over the last twenty years. It's either been available in a, a two fat omnibus set or six pocket editions that look like manga, and neither one of those really work for retail bookstores. So mm-hmm. we're reformatting it into four equal-sized books that would look more like traditional uh, novels, you know, that size.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and they'll be a f- more more affordable. And then, if you like one, you can go get the other three without having spent a hundred dollars. Um, that's so. That's the the goal there. But um, we're going to make that the the only format there is in the future. So our traditional omnibus box set and the pocketbooks, they're going to go out of print. If you need one to finish a collection, get it now because we still have them all, but they will not be
0: reprinted. Okay. All right. Well, that's a good thing to know. That's a good thing for fans to know in general if they're trying to complete collections and things like that. It's important to keep up. One thing, by the way, guys, if uh, you look at the show notes, I'm going to make sure to put down Mr. Moore's uh, social media stuff because... He always has fascinating stuff, whether it's on his YouTube channel, whether it's on his Instagram, things like that. These type of announcements are there. So, you know, if he does live shows and things like that, it's there, you know, different things like that. So make sure you're following Terry Moore on his social media stuff because it's it's a good follow. If you love him as an artist, if you support what he's done over the years, Um, he definitely promotes himself. So, well, yeah. you, 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 you don't have to not know what he's doing, because they'll tell you. <laughs> yeah.
1: There are two sides to this being indie thing. One of them is to make yourself, and the other one is you have to tell the world because mm-hmm. the world won't come to the studio and check it out. <laughs> you have to put it out there. I, right. I learned that uh, day, week one. So, uh, and I'm, my, uh, whatever media you go to, uh, it's Terry Moore Art. That's my name on. Um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, okay. and it'll also get you to my website.
0: Okay. So I got a question for you. Is there anything? I know. I know you don't have a whole lot of time because you're constantly working. Uh, but I will ask this on the occasion that you two take a break and you decide to read something or something like that. Is there anything that Terry Moore is reading currently?
1: Um, the what I the last thing I read was Lady Death. Um and I forget the name of it. Something annihilation.
0: Mentioning in my Brian, uh, Brian um, Polito. Yeah, so yeah. I think you posted something about a Kickstarter you had gotten as a series of the Lady Death books.
1: Yeah, I I I had I had done the cover cover illustration and I hadn't read the issue yet, so I I got my copy of it and I read that. And this morning, well it's shameless self-promotion. This morning I read a new reprint of Strangers in Paradise Number One. It's going out to the book market with a new cover on it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's it's actually the the very first issue, but it okay. has the first cover to the uh, new book volume ones. Okay, they will be volume one, two, three, four. Cool. But uh, inside, it's that. So uh-huh. they're going to give this out to the book people at the BEA and ALA and the librarians mm-hmm. and all that to introduce them. Yeah. Um, so that's my business card now is this new printing that we just
0: got of that. Well, that's really cool. I mean, yeah. like I said, it's, yeah. Better than uh, a business card. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, what, what what's better than a business card? A business card with a story attached to it that you yeah. can say, like, get, get people in.
1: My business card says cartoonist, but that book says, "Oh, we'll just read that."
0: Mm-hmm. Because then it's like, "Oh, wait a minute! I've got a story I can read." And you start reading, and it's like, hopefully, the idea then is like, it's like that. It's it's like I never will forget. I was growing. I grew up for a little bit in Memphis, Tennessee, and there was a grocery store I went to every day. We would scrap and save up our pennies and nickels and dimes every week because on Friday there was a lady that worked at the store. And she'd wake up at 3 in the morning and start making these fresh chocolate chip cookies. And she bagged them herself in the store and everything. I mean, she came in about 5 o'clock and brought the cookies in and started bagging them and everything. And it'd be Mrs. Mitchell's chocolate chip cookies. And I think it was like $2. And you got a bag that when you're a child, when you're like, you know, elementary school, you probably shouldn't be eating this many cookies on your way to school. (laughs) <laughs> but i tell you what, that was like my breakfast every Friday morning was those oh cookies. Oh, my gosh. Man, they were still, I mean, they were still warm in the package. She had them packaged up like the Keebler cookies with a little plastic tray rack and everything. But you had the steam on them, you know. Oh, and man. I was not forget the first time I walked in the store. It just, we just happened to walk in and we smelled these cookies. It's like, what is this? And It was, it was just like, oh, hey, this is Mrs. Mitchell's cookies. I work for the store and every Friday morning they let me sell my cookies. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's Cool. She's like, do you want one? I was like, I will not turn down a, I'm a recovering fat kid. I will not turn down a free cookie, especially if it's hot and fresh. And so she handed it to me. She said, yeah, baby, the first one's free. But after that, it's $2 a bag. I had that cookie and I had $2 in my hand. And it was like, it was like worse than a Girl Scout cookie situation. You know, you go to a store, you see the Girl Scouts and you're already going for your wallet. You don't even know why. You haven't even gone to the table. Uh, but yeah, I had, she had my $2 and I had a pack of cookies. I was just sitting there, me and my buddy, every Friday, we'd make sure we had $2 on us to sit there and eat these chocolate chip cookies. And I think you got 12 to a bag. So you got a dozen. And if you came in pretty regularly, you would get a baker's dozen. That's how I first Uh learned what a baker's dozen was, because she'd hand you an extra one when you bought the bag. How big are these cookies? Oh, they're about, uh, I would say, think the size of an egg standing up. Hmm. And so, if you have an egg standing up, it's about like that. But I mean, we're talking yeah. chocolate. And they're not even chocolate chip. These are chocolate chunk cookies. Oh, yeah. So, like, they oh, have yeah. big, blocky chunks in them. I was like, oh, my gosh. So, yeah. <laughs> We've always probably smelled like chocolate chip cookies on Friday mornings.
1: Man, you're killing me with this story. I love chocolate chip cookies.
0: Well, there you go. I know. would have been
1: all over that.
0: Yeah. But that story seems like that to me because people can get that and be like, where can I find more of this? And then it's like, well, yeah.
1: first one's free. Where you can
0: go. Yeah. Of one so the first one's free. You're so lucky
1: you ate way. a cookie instead of a shot of whiskey.
0: <laughs> Somebody asked me one day, I said, you don't this drink alcohol. Free. Why is that? I was just like, I don't like the taste of it. One, two, I've seen what it can do to people. And I know me and how much sweet tea I'll drink at a restaurant. This is if me. You guys, You're yeah.
1: describing me. This is exactly <laughs> why I don't drink. I have to pick my vices carefully, mm-hmm. and it's now it's iced tea and diet coke and uh, you know Butterfinger candy bar, but yeah. yeah, I can't go near anything that'll actually just send me to the moon.
0: Yeah, did you ever have the talk. Butterfinger Bees? Yes, you remember
1: those? That's a long okay. time
0: ago. Yeah, they. It's a snack they took away. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna get mad over it. It was too so,
1: wicked.
0: I guess. Yeah, it was basically like a milk dud, but with be- Butterfinger in it. Uh-huh. And so you had the same Butterfinger delivery, but in a smaller package. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, it right back.
1: That's trouble in a box right there. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I, I tell you, it, it's like sometimes people will say something to me, and I'll just be like, you know, well, you know, if you do this, this, and this, you can make a really cheap, quick fudge. And they're just like, do you bake all the time? I'm like, no, I used to. But I still enjoy food. I just try not to eat as much as I used to years ago. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that's why I it always have just... a recovering fat kid because, you know. But anyway, so we're I'm talking a about a hairy
1: person. I used to have hair.
0: Ah, <laughs> yeah, my hair has since uh, ran from the top of my head and slowly fades into my beard as often as it can. Uh huh. It's just suck. <laughs> So, you've got some really cool things for uh, stretch goals on here so far that have been unlocked. So, I saw you had the pins. Uh, I saw you had a signed card you can get with your books. I uh, also saw some stickers and things like that. And I think the last time we talked, we also talked about how when you do a Kickstarter. One of the things you want to make sure you're doing is you're getting stuff that ships easily with the other stuff because you don't want to have stuff so varying in sizes that you end up throwing off stuff.
1: Yeah, you don't want to have, you know, a a book that's seven inches tall and then you're giving also having to ship a 17-inch print, you know, Mm -hmm. an 11 by 17 print. That's not good. Now you've got two packages or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, that was one of the things that all the other Kickstarter pros were telling me, make sure it all fits in the same shipping box, you know, Mm -hmm. nicely and doesn't damage each other. And that's why you kind of see the same things from people. Mm -hmm. Um, If you order a book, all this stuff will fit in the book box, you know,
0: yeah. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, especially what a lot of people don't realize too is a lot of people are packing their own, you know, they're getting their own mailers and they're packing them out themselves. Yes. It's not something I mean, Unless you yeah. have a, people, a group of people that's just like, okay, hey, we're going to have a packing party and it's going to be pizza and many as much drinks as we can get to flow until we get it all packed. You know, Exactly.
1: You know, this is, nobody is Amazon. This, these are, you know, just a family that does a comfortable. So the whole family gets together and, for dust fulfillment and stuff like that, mm-hmm. everybody usually has you know one warehouse somewhere, and you just set up a card table and do your orders. Mm-hmm. It's it's very hands on, you know. It's like being a, well, it's indie, it's yeah. indie publishing.
0: Yeah. So my next question is, I notice you got the Trainers in Paradise Pocket Book One. Are you going to offer other pocketbooks until they go out of print? With other Kickstarters? Well, on our, our website. Them? And not okay, on, the on the Kickstarter, the
1: but on the website, so you can always go to the website and get these books. Um, I would imagine at some point this year uh, it'll start being a situation of oh, number three's out of print now, or number mm-hmm. six is out of print, and it's not going to come back. So, um, that's one of the it's just one of those deals.
0: Get them while they're getting good,
1: get them, yeah, they're all there now. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, also, I see you've got digital prints for Motor Girl uh Rachel Rising and Strange of Paradise 1. And those uh, are the well. number
1: ones. Somebody was mm-hmm. suggesting that suggesting that we offer a uh make an offering on our Kickstarter levels where pretty pretty early on like tier 1 or 2 you have the option of getting these digital copies of our number ones so that you know mm-hmm. what you can try Motor Girl and Echo and Rachel Rising without having to go to the store and invest in a print book, um, you know, or a trade paperback. Uh, I don't, I think all those singles are long out of print, but mm-hmm. you know, this is a great way to go try them out and see if you like them before you go, tr- you know, maybe, maybe you find one you like, like the cookie and uh, go get the trade or
0: something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm hoping as I'm looking at this, uh, because I see the Frank Cho piece, and it looks really awesome. But I also love the simplicity of the Jeff Smith print. Yeah. And I'm hoping you get that one a lot, too. I'm just like that. that, Both of those would be really cool to have access to.
1: And, I, you know, how many times have you seen Jeff Smith draw anybody else's characters besides... Other than both, right. Yeah, besides Shazam. But, um, yeah, it's so rare to have something like that. And he did it. Uh, you know, from the goodness of his heart, that was when I was finishing the um, Stranger's Paradise series and we had Mm a uh, wrap up party in New York and uh, he was there and brought that as a, as a gift, as a donation. And, um, you know, we, we snagged, snapped that up and asked him if we could run it for a print here and let other people see it.
0: It it needs to be appreciated. It's very beautiful. Mm -hmm. That is cool. Indeed. So, as you've wrapped up this series and you're doing the Kickstarter, mm-hmm. what is some other new? What are some other things we could expect going forward from Mister Terry Moore? He,
1: well, uh, I have five issues left on the current series, Parker Girls, and I think that'll take me, uh, you know, to the end of the summer, uh, into the middle of the summer. So, after that, I haven't really made an announcement, but but I am in discussion with. Uh, somebody about a project uh, we'll see if it works out. If it does, I'm either going to do a project for someone else
0: mm-hmm.
1: or I have this wild idea <laughs> for a new story and uh, i'll I'll go back to my table and okay. draw a story. And the next time I do a story and release it, uh, I think I don't think I'll do it in the traditional issue style. I think I, maybe next time I'll just do half the story and then start do a Kickstarter to finish the rest of it
0: Okay, and,
1: and just do it on a Kickstarter.
0: Okay. That's no, I'm, interesting. Th- I'm
1: really thinking about that now.
0: Okay. So yeah, I, 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 it would be really interesting to see what would happen if say you did, and, and I don't know how to phrase it, but like you did an issue, but, each issue was done by a different artist and it was like sure. this series from strangers, but it was a different artist would do each story. It's so like Frank Cho. If he was willing to come in and do one, he could come in and do a, a 20 page story. And then you have say Jeff Smith. If he was willing to do it, you come in half a 20 page story and you have different, you know, different artistic visions of the stranger's world but you be the author of the story. Like, this is the story I want to tell by the end of this, but I want to, you know, see it from different artists' perspectives.
1: So I could be I could be Marvel and crack the whip on them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you could be the conductor of the Strangers in Paradise uh, I need story. those
1: strangers now.
0: That would be, <laughs> I
1: can't imagine how I would get those guys to do that. It would
0: be hard. Right. I need a Jim Lee cover. Get me Jim Lee on the phone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Somebody gets Jim Lee covers. I, yeah, I don't
0: think I have the clout. No, well, I, I wish you did because that would be cool too. But I mean, you know, it, the, 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 again, it's more the story. Like I like i said before, and I've gloated before. It's more about the story of strangers. It's about this, this, these, this two people who love the love to live in daylights out of each other. And it's like they try to just live a normal life and everything seems to get in the way. It's a cooler version of a soap opera with less time going up the stairs.
1: (laughs) A lot of less time on the couch. And uh, yeah, my
0: mother used to get so annoyed. I'd watch soap operas with her. The first summer I graduated from high school before I started college, I would watch soap operas with her in the mornings and I'd be like, why is it taking like 12 minutes for him to get up the same set of flights there? It's the same flight of stairs, mom. <laughs> like, like, yes, she's cheating on him. I'm aware she's cheating on him. He's not going to find <laughs> out because she's going to somehow throw the dude out the window and act like she just woke up before. And sure enough, this guy goes hauling out the window like, ah, and then all of a sudden she's just, and the guy didn't hear this. While going up the stairs, by the way. She gets in there, she's just like, oh, honey, I just woke up. How are you doing? I thought you were at work. You know, I was just like, yeah, you're not supposed
1: In my family, the uh, general hospital has been, you know, it's been on for 30 years in this house. And uh, they're never, they still have problems with each other. You would think at some point that you could just get them an intervention, get them all in the room, talk it out. But no, I mean, these people are just never going to, get out of each other's way it's just yeah. problems
0: i remember one day somebody came in making fun of wrestling pro wrestling we were a group of us in college was just watching wwe and they were just like oh my gosh i can't believe you watch this i said yeah can i ask you a question yeah do you ever watch problems? oh yeah when i'm home i love watching stuff i with my mom same thing with less steel chairs <laughs> yeah.
1: Somebody yeah, was Erica- last week somebody was saying i don't know why why you guys watch football it's so much more boring than wrestling. I mean, who on the football field is cheating on with
0: who other's wife? Like? I mean, how do they know?
1: <laughs> how the do they know Terry, what story is?
0: The next Terry Moore project, Strangers in Paradise, the NFL edition. <laughs> WWF,
1: the football edition.
0: <laughs> Leroy, what did I tell you about my wife? I told you she was off limits to you. It's like, all I did was go well, to the house and deliver a package. To the team. <laughs> exactly. Team captain sitting are going like I don't wanna kick him off the team. He's too doggone good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the morale of the team is bad. We gotta do something. <laughs> now you got it. I think we have it I think we have
1: a new version. That's
0: the version they need. That's it. All of a sudden, you got a quarterback cutting a promo on another quarterback. You think you're going to come to New England, brother, and deal with <laughs> brother? Let me tell you something. When the Jacksonville Jaguars come down here, it's going to be all over. It's going to be nothing left but shouting, baby. You know, it's just like these mad, crazy promos, like people you, doing. Yeah,
1: and have the have the quarterbacks do a nose-to-nose pre-press conference thing, you know, pre-game <laughs>
0: The coaches are it. having a, the coaches are trying to break them up. <laughs> yeah,
1: break it up! Break it up! Come on! Come on. Sign up for the field.
0: <laughs> Man, we have a hit show on our hands here. There we go. If we could, I mean, if The Rock could be on Ballers, where it was pretty much just The Rock as a sports agent. I'm like, dude, nobody believes this dude's a sports agent. He's more jacked than the people that are on the field. I know. I know.
1: He would be. He would be my pick for my uh, WWF quarterback. There you Um, go. Yeah.
0: Be like, finally, I've stepped on the green iron and it's time (laughs) to spike for a touchdown. It's time to rumble. It's time to rumble. At the Super Bowl. This Super Bowl Sunday, it's going to be you. It's going to be me. It's going to be my defensive line against your offensive line. And buddy, somebody's not walking out of that stadium.
1: This is not a game.
0: (laughs) This is a, (laughs) <laughs> this isn't a game, it's war. <laughs> <laughs> that could be the title right there. This isn't yeah. a game, it's war. Yeah. And then you just, and then you start building up these football players and you just, and I mean, you could deal, So you could talk, you could do social commentary as well. You know, you could have the guy who, is super, super old fashioned. and doesn't respect any kind of people, and he talks down to the women that are doing interviews. And one of the women set him straight on national TV, and in the following no. for that, and you know, don't worry your
1: little pretty little head about it. And yeah. the, the woman could be the exp- an expert and say, "Now, why are all these folding tables on the field?" Don't worry, your pretty head. <laughs> <laughs> We can't play football with the tables on the field and the chairs. And
0: then, yeah, and then in the middle of a thing, like all of a sudden, you get a hooded figure comes out and slams that guy through the table, and you find out it was her the whole time.
1: Uh huh. <laughs> and then in the uh, the final two minutes, you shoot up to the audience, and they're sting watching them from
0: the, <laughs> <laughs> from the what Raster? does it mean? He's standing on the rafters with a baseball bat. <laughs> a baseball bat. <laughs> what does it mean? Does it Why is it got a baseball
1: bat? <laughs> Oh man, yeah, we get this this just works. I mean, it's just it's
0: just it works. It's perfect. This is that's that's crazy. So yeah, we'll have to talk about this later over emails. So I'll start drawing some pictures. Next time we talk about it, I want to
1: see lots of cash.
0: Be like you uh, industry. Be like you, be like, but like. That'll be a Kickstarter project right there. We just be like, look, I will draw it, and we can just be oh, like, There through.
1: you go. We'll kickstart a brand new <laughs> wrestling football league.
0: That's right. This is not I, a I game. Love. This is war. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. So, anyway, another fun question I'm going to ask. I think I asked this last time we talked, but I want to talk to you about it more now with things that have gone on in the culture around us, concerning ladies especially, uh, how important is it for you to continue to do what you do as you draw women and give us women that are realistic, that have imperfections and, and live in their own skin and enjoy what they do, good or bad? Because I know there's some villainous women in your books that enjoy what they do. There's some good-hearted women in your books that enjoy what they do, but they're all, not all... Fashion models—they're not all nice, pretty little skinny little things, you know—that barely eat two grains of greens every morning and then don't eat again until they have an air sandwich in the middle of the night.
1: <laughs> I—I'm just wired the way I am. I just—it's just how I work and how I, my point of view in, in life and in my work. So I just, yeah, I just—I want to draw, you know, people that we could actually meet. Mm-hmm. You know, now, um, like I was, you know, for instance, I was watching the Hallmark Christmas movies this last holiday season. Mm-hmm. And they were this year. I really did not enjoy any of them because everybody looked like an actor. Nobody was the person next door anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Everybody
1: looked like they came from they lived in Hollywood. And <clears throat> that bothered me a lot. And it's the same thing with comics. I don't want everybody to look like they live in a gym. Yeah. Or you know, are they? They want to have their own reality show. That's not. That's I'm not interested. I I want to draw the stories about what's going on in the houses on my block. You know, the peop, real people that you meet and your friends, and mm-hmm. you know, because those are the people that you care about and you fall in love with. I can't relate to any of those people. You know, on, on the screens. Yeah. Um, but um, so I try to. St- I, I I don't have any trouble. Keeping that point of view, I'm not distracted by wanting to go with unrealistic uh, portrayals, you know, of these iconic looks that I just can't relate to. Mm-hmm. I don't care when it's like that. You know, I want to, but if it's somebody, you know, if, you know, I was the kind of person that there was always a cute girl in class and I had a crush on them and mm-hmm. that's how I had the book. Who is the one you would have a crush on? Well, it's not going to be that, you know, harsh-looking actress uh, mm-hmm. thing, you know, with the facelifts and and the uh, airbrush makeup. It's mm-hmm. not. That's not everyday life. Yeah. So, um, I you know I have kind of an attitude about it, and I and I really have no trouble trying to. It's kind of my thing. I I really love this point of view of life, and everybody's a real person, you know.
0: Okay. Like that side. We, we have a sponsor. So, we've been sponsored. Have you ever tested your nerd kung fu? If you ever tested. Nerd test- kung fu. Nerd kung fu. Yes, your nerd kung fu. Now, I know what you're thinking. What is nerd kung fu? Because it's not like we're going to get a bunch of nerds fighting in a ring. But maybe it's about how you look. Maybe it's about being able to show off that nerd thing that you dig. You know what I mean? Do you like The Office? Do you like Star Wars? Do you like Jurassic Park? Do you like video games? Anime? Movies? Etc. Because if you do, you can get your nerd kung fu on. In the description on the podcast, there will be a link. You can go there and you can order up to your heart's desire on anything from shirts to socks to posters and all sorts of things. Even The Godfather. So if you're dialing into movies and video games and comic books and or and things like that, TV shows even, I mean, like I said, the office. Firefly is represented. They got all sorts of stuff, it's all legally licensed official stuff. Jingle, Sminer, what's your nerd kung fu? Uh,
1: my nerd kung fu is weak. But, I feel like by following the link in the description, I might be able to make
0: it stronger. Smider, what's your nerd kung fu?
1: My nerd kung fu is a southern style. It uh, is very fast, very aggressive. Mostly uses just the two first knuckles on my hand to knock people out, but that's only because the stunt people are kind enough to fall over.
0: It's up to you how your nerd kung fu is. But we appreciate you checking it out and grabbing the link and getting your stuff from nerdkungfu.com. All right, And there's nothing wrong with that at all. I got another interesting question. I know you've talked at length at different times about your lovely wife and, and her helping to mm-hmm. set up ideas and different things like that. And inspire, like, yeah. hey, you've got all these sketches like you talked about earlier. You know, you've got all these sketches. Why don't we do a really good art book with this not do a whole story? Uh, is there a scenario where we could see Robin as the main character of a story? Would that be something she would be interested in seeing happen? Would that be something you would be interested I, no, in? No,
1: I think that would be... A recipe for disaster. Okay. <laughs> because now, you know, the, your, everybody will always identify all that with Robin. And so that, even if you mean well, that could be a dirty trick to play on another
0: person. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. Uh,
1: but she is definitely, she and I both have had walk-ons. Uh, you know, I famously was a, uh, uh, a beggar, you know we'll we'll draw for food and freddie beat me up in one of the comics of uh paradise um i was beaten up by my own character and uh and then robin and i have done some walkthroughs a couple of times we were actually i only drew one issue of spider-man
0: and we were on page one of that walking down the street in new york (laughs) cool yeah pretty cool so yeah, even if it was like some like crazy fantastical story, like Robin Space Knight that comes in, and she like she is a, she is like she is like defending aliens against these brutal other aliens or something like that, some crazy, whacked like, out like Robin in space. But of course, we call it something different. You know, I don't know. Like, I'll tell you this... what,
1: you, you talk to her about it. <laughs> <person>.
0: <laughs> I don't have that kind of pull. <laughs> <laughs> uh we've only talked in emails but i mean i mean i i could pitch it i mean i don't know if she'll ever go for it but i mean hey I yeah not... hey, you
1: know you, you got to put it out there for the universe to hear right
0: yeah this is true so mm-hmm. you know here we go pitch for robin in space
1: That's i i we have a better chance of launching our wrestling football league
0: ah, there we go <laughs> okay gotcha Alright, so then the next question I'm going to ask is this. Now, you mentioned the Hallmark Christmas stuff and how people were kind of painted up and beautified and yeah. you know, all the all the paint and all that other stuff. Uh, I don't think I've yeah. asked you this before. If somebody came to you and said, I've got a bucket full of money and I want to make a live action version of Strangers in Paradise. Um, I know, I think in the past, I remember you telling me about who they, some of the, the two characters for Strangers were kind of based off of but is there anybody out there in the current active sphere that you could see playing them in a movie today?
1: Wow. That changes every three years, doesn't it? I mean, it's so critical.
0: Our culture shifts that quick.
1: Yeah. And the people who could play the role come and go. And when they're perfect for the role, you have about five years and then they moved on, you know, um, so my answer has changed multiple times. Um, it did help to have ideas when I started. But as now that I'm on like my seventh casting uh, choices, I, I really don't pay as much attention as I used to. Mm-hmm. I might see somebody, uh, an, a- an actress or something, in a mo- they catch a certain photograph and it looks right. And I may save the photograph just so that I have constant reminder that, yeah, there are Cachoe-looking people out there. There are Francine-looking people out there. Mm -hmm. What usually happens, though, is not so much just like, oh, do they look like that. What will usually happen is I will see an incredible performance by a working actor, Mm -hmm. not an image actor, but a, an actor who is really incredible with the craft of acting. And those actors, they're so... I know there are a lot of talented people in L.A., but I usually see it from the acting pool that comes out of Toronto, Chicago, and New York, mm-hmm. where they have a lot of stage work and all that. That acting pool is incredible. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll, I'll, somebody will be in a show or they may do one series and then go back to the stage. And they're incredible in that series, you know. Um, I remember an American horror story when the one about the nuns, there was a blonde nun who uh, was actually possessed. And her portrayal just blew me away. I watched the entire season just so I could watch her appearances. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, And then I never saw her again. You know, she went right back to New York to the stage because I, I wikipedia her at the time. And that's what she really did. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't remember her name or anything, but it would be one of those things where I would track it down that way. But, um, yeah, I see actors who blow me away. And I think if I got a chance in the next 12 to 18 months, um, that's who I
0: would be suggesting.
1: And it's usually some working actor that's not super famous, but they're super talented.
0: Okay, um, I know, and I can't think of her name right off, but there's a, there's a young lady who's really a big lady in Strangers that comes after, uh, I believe, Francine at one point. And I saw her, and every time I see her, I keep thinking of the young lady from Game of Thrones. She was recently in the Wednesday series, you know, and, and I could see her really being somebody that could portray this role of this kind of stoic a gorgeous big woman, but stoic and just very, just down to business. This is what has to happen type person.
1: You got to have that presence. It needs to radiate, you know, and and the good actors can, you know, you talk to them at lunch and they're your best friend. And then they get into the mindset of the role and they generate an entirely different energy, a different persona, they walk onto the set and they're a different person. And it's just amazing transformation. Um, My dad was a director and I got to be a, I grew up around production and all that. And I could see a lot of people work. And he also did some stage directing Mm -hmm. and uh, to watch actors, the good ones show up um, and be in the role. is just an amazing thing to do. it's, It's not just, like you and I impersonate somebody with our facial features and our voice, mm-hmm. they do it from the inside out, and the energy is amazing, you
0: know, mm-hmm. whether they're
1: good or bad, yeah. you know yeah, so, good or evil.
0: yeah, and they bring out they bring it out through a place where they tap into it somehow,
1: yeah, you know, like when you see uh maestros on a piano or a violin, mm-hmm. that's not just hands. That whole person is making that happen. And it's the Mm -hmm. same with actors. Yeah. Same with singers, you know. You can't just stand there and just sing, you know, happy birthday. You gotta
0: give it. Yeah, I I totally understand that. I remember growing up as a kid watching Stevie Wonder perform at different venues. And I always asked my mom why he swayed his head all the time. And my mom, of course, didn't know. And years later, I was, I want to say, I might have been a junior or senior in high school and they did a documentary. And there was a child about my age at the time I was asking that question that was like, hey, why do you sway your head like that? And he said, oh, that's, that's real simple. Uh, Since I can't see the people, I sway my head as a conductor would sway his, sway his wand. Because they follow my head sway, and they're able to stay on beat with me.
1: He's he's that's he's just giving everything he has to the audience, including mm-hmm.
0: the time. Yeah. And yeah so like if you watch of... my head sway. That's where each beat falls in.
1: Right, because his hand he he doesn't have a free hand.
0: They're mm-hmm. on the keys. Right. Uh, I saw that. I found the actress. I think Lily Raby. Or Lily, Lily Raby. It's uh, Lily. It's like uh, R A B E. So I'm okay. not sure how to pronounce the last name. Uh, that played uh, Sister Mary Eunice.
1: Oh, okay. She's the blonde. Uh, mm-hmm. She was a blonde in the show. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, she's an incredible actress. Well, sh- shout out to Lily.
0: <laughs> there you go. We'll she she won play.
1: my respect, and I was thinking, my gosh, I would, I would put her in anything I made, you know, but um, mm-hmm. she would be able to play absolutely any role in Strangers in Paradise and, mm-hmm. and
0: make it hers. So what if, instead of thinking, cause I know you say it changes every few years because of things pop, you know, people being in pop, like you would love to have Helen Mirren in your movie, but where do you put her? Right. you know. And so, I mean, you know, things like that, but what if it was animated?
1: No, I'm not an animator, I just, uh, every time I think of animation, I think of Scooby-Doo.
0: Ah, uh, okay.
1: I don't want to make a Strangers in Paradise Scooby-Doo.
0: Gotcha. Fair
1: enough. It, it might be far more popular. <laughs> but I, you know, I want to be able to have, I would rather watch Helen Mirren read a scene of Strangers in Paradise than, uh, you know, Astro, the dog,
0: bark it out. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I think about animation and I think of the advances in some of the adult animation, for example, like Invincible on Amazon Prime or yeah. uh, The Legend of Vox Machina, for example, and things like that. Well, Where...
1: yeah. You know, if you're going with traditional animation, okay. But you're, now you've opened up this Pandora box of AI.
0: How, oh, okay. how
1: computer generated do we get? And I am, I am AI's sworn enemy. You okay, know, because fair enough. Yeah, and as as any artist who uh, is working today is really upset about it because, um, first of all, they're stealing IPs to get the imagery and yep. not, there is no accountability. And it's a computer geek programming, uh, you know, like fake faces onto bodies and stuff, but now they're doing it with art. And it's just it's, – it's a crime. You don't want anybody – place plastering your face onto porn and you don't want anybody taking your art and putting it into a walking program on, on AI and your characters walking for their short video on TikTok that makes them a bunch of hits and a bunch of money and got, didn't get you anything. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a, it's a bad situation right now. It's not, it's a wilderness with no control.
0: Yeah. I got you. Yeah, I got you. Uh, I, I think you'll
1: get kind of the same answer with more profanity from the other artists. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that side. And I mean, I know it's it's coming. We're going to sit down because my co-host on the podcast when we normally to get together. We're all artists. One's a writer. Uh, his brother's an artist. And then there's me. And so, you know, and a lot of our people that come on the show regularly uh, are involved in things like Twitch and they do like seamstressing and they're making costumes or cosplay and, and different things like that. And so we all have a heartbeat on the whole AI side of it. I miss the days when you had hand-drawn animation. I miss the days when you had people doing frame rates and all that different stuff that could go in different directions. That could go into things that, I mean, I don't need a Velma series. If you've heard anything about the Velma series on HBO, I don't need that. Um... But it would be nice to be able to see some of the things I've created in an animated form where kids can get a hold of it and learn some lessons. you know. But I can understand I mean, why the one, AI... I've got go one for?
1: thing that would work in animation, and that's the SIP kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I drew them where they would animate well, and, you know, I drew them for, you know, that would work fine for animation, and that would be the perfect project for it. Mm-hmm. The regulars, my other books, they're they're more like storyboards for
0: shows. Gotcha. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I just thought, well, you know, in a situation where stuff changes, it's like, maybe this It's just like, let's throw that out there and see.
1: (laughs) I think you have to have a love for animation. Like Jeff Smith uh, came from animation. uh, It's, he loves it. And to make an animated project is a long-term commitment. Um, and it's expensive, incredibly expensive now. Yeah. Um. So it's a whole other world. It's another planet that I don't live on.
0: Yeah. I still wish we had gotten Bone. I would have loved to seen Bone in animation. Like it's just that's just such a beautiful, super stretching story that goes beyond the standard. Hey, these little cute things. that kind of look like something off a of schmoo are running around doing these crazy mystical type situations and then you've got this character like Rose who starts off very much not aware of what was going on and so it kind of blows up into this bigger thing where she becomes a bigger part of the story and all. I'm just like man that that took me to some places <laughs> I was just like wow I didn't realize it, it like was one of those that. things that's
1: obvious that it needs to exist it's obvious that it needs to exist uh, but there's just the machinery the business that the business that makes those things is just, you know, if the project didn't come from inside the company, it just has such a hard time advancing. Mm-hmm. And that was the deal. Even something as stupendous and singular as bone has a problem coming into a corporation that uh, it's, there's just they run into uh, standoffs that just can't be resolved. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, you, I don't know. It's just a shame. It's, it's, it's just a shame because yes. it clear, it's like having the, it's like having a, some big cosmic answer and you know, the world would love it, but you just can't get it out to them because of what it takes to get it there.
0: Right. Know? I remember, it, I remember it being, you know, one of the first big books that Scholastic grabbed. It was just like, we want to put this into schools. We want kids to be able to read this. We want to be, you know, oh, get goodness. this, you know. And I'm just sitting there going like, wow, they colorized it and all this great stuff. And I'm just like, okay, I'm more of a black and white person when it comes to this story because there's stuff about the way the black and white art pops up, which is another reason why I love your work is because I love a lot of the more black and white stuff as it pops off the page. And so you see the emotion without being sidelined by how beautiful the airbrush is on the color scheme. Right. And I can tell light and dark in the black and white, and I'm not having to be told, hey, the light source is coming from here because of a pink tone differential.
1: You know, that's a very, uh, that's, a, that's a big thing because uh, a cartoonist like me, I don't see light. I see lines. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not good with light I'm not a painter Uh, painters see light, cartoonists see line and so when I make, when my work is finished it did not account for light I barely indicate anything implying a shadow Um, and I'm not even a heavy inker, you know, you'll see those beautiful Batman covers with uh, half of the pages black because it's this beautiful harsh lighting, I can't even do that you know, that's why my covers are so open. is because I yeah. don't have that site. But um, there is an answer for me, which was more like the 1010 model, you know, Hergé 1010, um, where he worked originally in black and white and then the big company bought it like Scholastic and the big company paid to have it all formatted and, and colored, you know, as if he had signed with a big publisher. And now we got those... Tintin books that we all know, those little skinny ones, and they're all in color, but they're flat color, it's European Mm -hmm. color, as if they were just all tinted with watercolor, you know? Yeah. That works for me. If you take the simpler tinted European style or the simpler Japanese style of just its flat, it's flat colors, that still works on my kind of work, my art. But if somebody goes in there and tries to create the bridge of the nose that I didn't draw, I'm screwed that that doesn't work for me at all. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so it had, it's probably easier to color mine. I could. it would be one of those things where I can go in there with Photoshop and just start flatting everything. Yeah. But it would take me the rest of my life, you know, so we'd have to get somebody else to do it. Right. I'm not afraid of coloring at all, but, um, you know, there's so much of it.
0: 2,100
1: mm-hmm. pages. Yeah. It would
0: be, it would be a three year job. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and and I would I'm a, I'm of the opinion that I, I'm fine with it the way it is. Like I will never you'll never hear me say, "Hey, yeah, I did a colored book." No, no, I'm good. Like I said, I no. uh, I got the chance to pick up a and I think it's called Unblocked uh, book. It was Jim Lee and Scott Williams Hush, and it was just the black, the white inks throughout. There's no color in it. It is a totally new reading experience, seeing it that way for me. And so I work in black and whites. I work in gray tones now because in my head, I need to see shadows sometimes. So I will go in with grayscale markers and grayscale. Um, But And I'm trying to get my stuff out there. I've had a a guy who works with uh, Ink's Publishing trying to get me set up so I could start making enough money to get him paid so I could do a Kickstarter project. Uh, I have stories to tell and I want to get them out there, but I've got to get the money up to do the stuff to do it because I understand that it, it has cost to them to advertise and different things like that. And him, I trust because I've talked to him. I've gotten to know him over time. And so, like, I've done podcasts with different people that they're doing Kickstarters through their organization. And so, I want to eventually do mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, so.
1: Good God, I wish you the best with that. I've enjoyed our experience with it, mm-hmm. with Kickstarter. Yeah, it's been good, but I didn't do any of the Kickstarter work. Um, I just do the art and uh, 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 other people, you know, help put it all together. It it was a big effort.
0: Yeah, and it is. And that's the thing about it. I think sometimes people feel like, oh, Kickstarter is just something people beg for money with. I'm like, no, like I've supported Kickstarters. I've supported Indiegogo's. Let me tell you something. When you're holding that thing in your hand and you can say, I helped get this made. Yeah. Like yeah. I like 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 I heard a friend of mine say it real well one day. He said, I've seen so many people will say, Hey, I can't wait till you get all this stuff out and trade it and then I'll buy it 'cause I will buy it, because i want to be able to buy the whole complete story. Here's the problem. I don't work for Marvel. I don't work for D C. There's no guarantee that I'm gonna be able to get book two out without your help. Exactly. If you get book two out, how am I gonna get book three, book four, book five, book six, trade? How am I gonna get exactly. all that out there? And then if I can't get it all out there, guess what? I, I, I can't do it. Now, some people can work up to a trade level. But everybody can't do that. And then you've got that fan base that's going to support it. And so you build that fan base with those individual issues. You know, yeah. So.
1: And, um, you know, trade waiting is, I guess it's good for the reader, but it's how does the cartoonist live for a year while you wait for that trade, you know, how is the cartoon supposed to live? And that's what the single issues were for. It was your monthly, you know, income.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it got you through the year to get the yeah. trade. So, and then the trade was supposed to, originally when we first started making them, it was because those single issues were so small print run, you couldn't find them. Yeah, If you didn't get it when it came out, it's gone. And that's what was the problem with Indy. So Indy started making the trades so that the trade would stay in print. Well, now the trade waiting developed and it created a whole new problem. And that's why I can't work a long series anymore because I'll get about five issues in and people say, "Okay, this is a good one. I'll wait for the trade now. And I have my income just disappears. And um, how am I supposed to make?
0: Yeah, I've given away more comics because I've been able to buy the single issues. And then once I get the trade to said issues, I could then be like, hey, mother of a child who's looking for a really cute book about a little girl superhero for her little girl to read. Here's this comic book from Action Lab called Sweetie. Well, wait, you're giving me all the issues. If you give me all the books, how are you going to read it? Because I have to trade paperback now because I bought all the single issues, but I want to be able to give this to somebody else who can then have their kid read it and they can enjoy it.
1: Well, and again, that's exactly what I'm doing with this giveaway book that we're mm-hmm. making for the book market. You know, here's the here's a single issue, you know, sampler. Um, And there's a lot more where that came from.
0: Yep. There's a whole lot more story with a whole lot of great yeah. characters. So well, that's why that's-, I'm,
1: that's why my last few series have been 10 issues only, mm-hmm. um, because that's as long as I can go before the single issue orders are just uh, unsustainable. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I get I get a, I can do a ten issue story and get that into a trade or two, and um, that's about as far as I can get supported on today's market.
0: Okay, and I appreciate that because that that really helps put things in perspective when you're dealing with trying to, especially as an indie creator and you're trying to make the books and you're trying to tell the stories you want to tell. It's how do you get that next step up? How do you, what do you do? And so I appreciate that. And so this Kickstarter that you're doing is funded currently and you said you were just getting the stretch goals. Uh as of recording, how much how much more time have we got for this one? Uh
1: through the rest of February. Okay. Into the first two days of March. I think it goes to March three.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And so um we'll make sure to put the link uh for the Kickstarter in the podcast episode as well. That way people can go to it and they can Get in on it and uh, be able to pick this book up. And because we want to see, we want to support you here because we know if we support you here, then maybe there's a Terry Moore After Dark 2. Maybe there is an exclusive side story you want to tell if you've already got the stuff for it. Just be like, what if Francine was a spy, but instead of working for this corporation, she worked for the FBI, maybe? Or something. I've been drawing little uh-huh. sketches of FBI, Francine. You know, different uh-huh. things like that. I, yeah. I'm definitely going to keep drawing.
1: Uh, whether or not it ends up in a book depends on the people.
0: Yeah, definitely. So we are here. We're going to go ahead and wrap it here. I know you got a lot of stuff to do. So, uh, of course, before we go, we always like to let people do the thing where they get to tell people where they can send them money. So...
1: Uh, send all your money to Will Holland, please, because he's (laughs) (laughs) nice.
0: I will not say no to money or chocolate chip cookies. Uh, Money
1: or chocolate chip cookies. Don't send, don't send me any money. I'll just, I'll just spend it on cat toys and guitars. Um, (laughs) if you, if you want to check my work out online, uh, I'm Terry Moore art, uh, T E R R Y, uh, and I'm on the social media and I have a YouTube channel where I posted like 160 uh, how to draw this and that videos. And um, we do one every Sunday. And uh, that's pretty much kept kept us busy. I've, I've been making a comic book series since 1993. So there's a bunch of different books. Check them out. And we're currently doing a new art book on Kickstarter uh, called Terry Moore After Dark, meaning it's Characters from my books, the women from my books, and uh, sexy and romantic moments. And I don't draw raunchy. I like to draw those moments that made somebody fall in love. So I hope that that's uh, something that sounds good to you and you want to check it out and support it. Thanks.
0: If uh, you're thinking old school image or old school Marvel sweat uh, uh, swimsuit issue books that they did back in the 90s and early 2000s, that's not what we're getting here. No, it's not that.
1: It's not that. (laughs)
0: It's not that at all. No, it's not the random. Okay, we got the X Men in bikinis just because it's a swimsuit issue. It's like, wait, what? (laughs) Who wants to see Wolverine doing a cannonball? Nobody wants to see that.
1: (laughs) Although I have to admit, I have drawn a uh, the Hulk on a beach vacation in a slave Leia outfit, and that's currently on my Twitter feed.
0: So, oh wow, there you go. (laughs) Go go look up Twitter feed for for Terry Boar's uh, Hulk Slave Hulk. Hulk.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a beautiful sight. I can <laughs> I can see him looking at him going puny bikini like this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's actually uh, he's there with Yoda and Yoda's having a uh, you know fruit cocktail drink of some sort and uh, yeah. Uh, Hulk vacations you know the way Hulk wants to vacation. So there you go. We there. We?
0: He is the Hulk. Yeah. So there you go. He's the Hulk. He gets to do it his way. Yes, sir. So, Mr. Moore, as always, I thank you so much for being willing to come on and talk with me uh, about your Absolutely. awesome Kickstarter and whatever you want to talk about. Look, all, you know, all you have to do is just message me, hey, I got this coming up. You want to get on? Hey, you want me to get on? And I'll just be like, yes, when can we do it? <laughs> thank you. Thank
1: you. I appreciate that. I hope I come back to you next time uh, with some progress on the World Wrestling Football League.
0: <laughs> tell, dude, you give me a week. I'll start sending pictures. <laughs> I'm going to start doing character designs. I am dead serious on that one. Uh, yeah, I'll start working. We out got a guy. winner there. you got gonna use the thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like a quarterback <laughs> right here. Yeah, his, it name, just is Randall, so, his name is Randall Stevens. Yeah, Randall Stevens was a young man who grew up in the farmland of Colorado. Yeah, <laughs> so he's a fan of the people. He didn't his, want any trouble. Yeah, he, he didn't want any trouble. trouble at all. He just wanted to throw <laughs> a football to his brother. and Drove yeah. by his pickup truck, said, Hey son, you want to learn how to play the football game? Yeah. And so the next thing you know, he started getting a few tattoos and he grew out his facial hair a bit. He became the NFL's bad boy. Yeah. Yeah. He put the elbow drop, he put elbow drops on everybody, that got in his way as he tried to score. Even the, team the team. announcers.
1: <laughs> he even slept with the announcer's wife.
0: Oh, Everybody's nice. mad at him. <laughs> He's like, Nobody loves him. Nobody cares for him. But he wins. Yeah, he always yeah. wins. He finds a way. Yeah, even if he has to run the ball himself because nobody wants to catch the ball when he throws it. Yeah, <laughs> he has to catch his own throw. He has to catch the throw he himself he match. makes the score, man. Yeah, <laughs> cut the sting in the stands. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we need. To, we could put ourselves in as the announcers and just be like. What what just happened? The cheerleader just kicked another football player. <laughs> she pulls out a chair from nowhere. Yeah, the cheerleaders
1: are beating up one of the players. Yeah, yeah this now this would with. In, This would be a good animated show. We could do it like King of the Hill or whatever. hard. <laughs> like.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> she broke the helmet. How did she even do it? <laughs> <laughs> I've never hit any,
0: I've never
1: hit anybody that hard before.
0: Uh, the closest I came to I was playing football I played football in junior high and I hit a guy it had just rained 45 minutes before the game started and I was a defensive end if you could believe it this is when I was a lot younger and a lot faster and so I saw what looked like a fake they threw it over and of course the guy starts running and he flips it as he's going back this way so I know he's coming to my side and this guy started to try to break and I knew if he cut upwards he was gonna break I had to meet him before the break happened. And so I hit him and we went and like I hit a patch of mud and we just skidded and skidded and skidded. Next thing I know, I left him because his shoulder pad had hit one of the they're not bleachers. It's it's the it's the little metal deal that the football players sit on in the front row. Uh, But anyway, so he hit that. I left him there. I kept sliding. Next thing I know, I start hitting feet, not knowing it's my cheerleading crew. So then the next thing I know, like, I get a cheerleader landing on my chest going, are you okay, No." This okay? <laughs> sounds like a car wreck. Like, you went in at 80
1: miles an hour.
0: I just was just, like, hitting it in, nice in that highway. mud. Yeah, that mud hit. And I was just like, we slid. And he went out of the game because he dislocated his shoulder. And I couldn't get in the game for several minutes because I couldn't breathe. because <laughs> like, yeah. had a cheerleader land on me. <laughs> oh my word. And they were like, they had just thrown her up in the air to do the cradle catch, you know, thing. Because they have been working on a cradle catch that whole time, and I just happened to take out the whole ball row. And so then, well, they, they
1: shouldn't be throwing cheerleaders during your play. That's all I had to say.
0: I just, yeah, I had no idea. They need that to pay, pay attention. Like, wait till <laughs> the play's over or something. Wait till we do the thing. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, that went that way. So anyway, I will let you go. Like I said, I know you got a lot of work to do, Mr. Moore. So thank you All again right. for coming on. And as always, you've just got the opportunity to join a conversation about uh Terry Moore After Dark, the Kickstarter project. Go support that. The link will be in the by the link will be in the description of the podcast. Uh so we've had an opportunity to join the conversation with myself and Terry Moore. Thank you again. And as always, for every listener out there, do me a favor, be blessed me, a blessing to somebody, guys. Take care.